Good evening, Christ Covenant. If you uh, have your Bibles with you, I want to encourage you to turn now to Psalm 84. We're going to be looking at verses 5 through 7 this evening, and we'll be looking at the second of three Beatitudes that's found in this psalm. Um, If you were with us in January when we looked at Psalm 84, uh, you might remember that we were looking at verses 1 through 4, and we were looking at the first Beatitude in the psalm, which is found in verse 4, Blessed are those who dwell in the presence of the Lord. And we broke that down into three parts. We looked at the longing, the belonging, and the rejoicing. We saw that all of God's children should long to be in the presence of their heavenly Father. And because of the blessing of where God has placed us in redemptive history, we do get to enjoy dwelling in the presence of God as His Holy Spirit indwells His people. And we look forward to the day when Christ returns to consummate His kingdom and we're able to dwell in the presence of our triune God face to face. And then we saw the belonging that anyone who the Father draws to Him through the regeneration by the Spirit and through union in Christ is able to freely come into the presence of the Lord. And that thirdly, that should mark His people with a life of rejoicing for what God has done for them. Now, if those three points, they represent your life, then according to the psalmist, you're living the blessed life. Yours should be the fullest joy and the deepest satisfaction and the truest purpose in life. And what I'd like to do this evening is press further into this concept of living the blessed life uh, by looking at the second beatitude that we find in this psalm, which is found in verse We see blessed is the one whose strength is in the Lord. And we're going to break that into three points as well. We're going to look at our pilgrimage, we're going to look at our pain, and we're going to look at our perseverance. We're going to see that all of us are on a pilgrimage in this life, and therefore we need the strength to be able to endure that journey. We also need strength to be able to face the different trials and the pain that we're going to encounter along the way. And then thirdly, we need strength in this pilgrimage to be able to persevere until the end. And so the real question is, where does that strength come from? Specifically, where does that strength come from for you? That's the question that we want to be asking this evening as we approach the text. And before we read Psalm 84, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, what a joy it is for us to be able to gather together this evening to hear you speak from your word. Lord, it is our privilege that we are able to dwell in your presence as your spirit indwells each and every believer. Lord, we thank you that not only is there never a moment in time when we're ever separated from your presence, but you've also given us your spirit so that we might be strengthened and empowered to live for you, to enjoy you each and every day so that we might thereby glorify you. Lord, we ask that you would strengthen us this evening as your word is proclaimed from Psalm 84. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Church, hear from God in Psalm 84. To the choir master, according to the Gittith, a psalm of the sons of Korah. 
How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars. My King, O O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose hearts are the highways to Zion. As they go from the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Amen. Here ends our reading of God's holy, infallible, inerrant, and inspired word. May he add his blessing to it. Well, as I mentioned from the beginning, uh, this evening we're focused on the second of three Beatitudes uh, found in this psalm. We're looking at verse 5, blessed are those whose strength is in the Lord. And as I was thinking of this concept of strength, I was reminded of a video I saw a while back on the internet of a, a woman named Elizabeth Sullivan, who is 104 years old. And she was being interviewed by a reporter who was wanting to know what her secret was to her strength in life, to the longevity that she had. And many of you may be thinking of different possible answers she might have given, uh, but I guarantee you that none of you uh, correctly guessed what she credited for her strength. Elizabeth Sullivan credited drinking three Dr. Peppers a day as the reason for her longevity and her strength, which automatically put her in the Hall of Fame for me uh, and made her one of my heroes. Um, oftentimes, uh, it's, it's known that I enjoy quite a few soft drinks, uh, and people like to tell me that uh, my life is probably going to end shortly because of that. And now because of this, I have a little antidote story that I can share on why I'm going to live to 104 years of age. Uh, But I I found it funny as I was watching this video, the reporter said, well, don't people tell you that this this isn't good for you? And she said, well, I have had two doctors who've told me I need to stop drinking three Dr. Peppers a day, but they've both died and I'm still here. (laughs) It's a great uh, interview. And, uh, And you may be thinking to yourself as you hear this that you have nothing in common with this woman. But the fact of the matter is, I think we all do, because we're all looking for something in our lives to give us strength. For some, it may be our bodies. You may be really focused on exercise and on diet, because you want to have a strong body going into life. For others, it may be your savings and investment. You want to have strong purchasing power and a strong portfolio going into life. And then for others of us, it's Dr. Pepper. 
But whatever it may be for you, we need to be reminded that we're all looking to different things in this life for our strength. But for the Christian, when it comes to our ultimate source of strength in life, we should be looking none other than to the Lord. Of course, there's nothing wrong with wanting to take care of our bodies. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be good stewards with the money the Lord has given us. But our ultimate strength in life should be found in the Lord. And that's what we see from the psalmist as he says, The blessed life, the one with the fullest joy and the deepest satisfaction and the truest purpose in life, that comes from finding our strength, not within, as our culture would try to convince us to find our strength, but from outside of us and in the Lord. And so this evening, what I would like for us to do is is answer this question of why is it that we need to find our strength in the Lord? And we're going to answer that with our three following points. So blessed is the man who finds his strength in the Lord because God's people are on a pilgrimage. As you read verses 5 through 7, You're hopefully reminded of what we talked about last time, that the psalmist who wrote these words, he's not able to be in Jerusalem. He longs to be in the courts of the Lord, and yet he's being prohibited from that. And perhaps as he's writing verses 5 through 7, maybe he's trying to, to live vicariously through these pilgrims that are on their way to Jerusalem. Or perhaps he's planning on joining the pilgrims himself on making a trip to Jerusalem. We know that this was something that that happened with regular occurrence. Originally, God's people would make a trip three times a year uh, to Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Booths, and the Feast of Weeks. And this wasn't always an easy journey for God's people to make. Now, there was other less than savory individuals in society who were aware of this cultural rhythm. And so you had opportunistic thieves uh, and robbers who would lie in wait to ambush these pilgrims, to rob them. And then if you look at verse 6, these pilgrims are having to make their way through the Valley of Baca. This is translated as a a place of weeping. Not likely to be a, a place on many of your summer destinations. So place of weeping. It was a dry and arid uh piece of land where water was scarce. So if there's a a group of people traveling probably many on foot through a a vast area in the Middle East and there's not much water, you can imagine how difficult this might be. And I think one of the points we see right off the bat is that difficulties do not deter God's people from seeking after him. As long as he is their strength, they can endure and see the Lord provide. And I love the songs of ascent. Uh, These are the psalms that the pilgrims would be singing on their way, on their pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And I think specifically of Psalm 121. As they've made their way through possible places of ambush, they've made their way through the valley of Baca, and they're, they're getting closer they, they can see the hills where Jerusalem is, is kind of front and center at the top. And the, the, the text tells us that they say, I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. They don't say that my help comes from within as I dig deep. No, they say my help comes from the Lord. 
Is that your song of praise going into this week? Some of you students probably have a week filled with a lot of exams and a lot of tests, uh, projects. And are you falling back on the default mode of the flesh to rely within the strength inside of you? Or are you casting your gaze like those pilgrims upon the Lord, trusting in Him to strengthen you? Others of you maybe have had a difficult season in your marriage and you assume that this upcoming week will be no different. Or perhaps you have a a hard work week ahead, a lot of travel, a lot of business meetings. And are you falling for what the culture has been trying to convince us of, of relying on the flesh instead of finding your strength in the Lord? This is an important question for all of us to answer because we all are pilgrims, just like the ones that we're reading about in this passage. None of us are at home. This uh, present earth is not our home. We're pilgrims passing through. They're headed to Jerusalem. You and I and the Lord are headed to New Jerusalem. We need to remind ourselves that we're pilgrims on the way. And when making a journey, it's important to consider the problems that you might encounter along the way. I'm sure the pilgrims in verses 5 through 7 were doing the same thing. They likely uh, knew that they could be facing some possible bandits and, and robbers, so they probably carried along with them some weapons to protect their family. They probably traveled in groups when possible to protect themselves. They also likely knew that they were going through the Valley of Baca and planned accordingly. But what about you? Are you planning for the, the problems that you will encounter on your pilgrimage in this life? There's two problems that I want to look at very briefly this evening. The first problem is ourselves. We need to realize that as we're making this pilgrimage through life, that we ourselves are a weakness that we have to deal with. We need to remind ourselves that we have such limited knowledge and wisdom. Why would we look within to ourselves to guide us through the difficulties and the complexities And the dangers of this life, when we have limited understanding, when we could find that strength in the one who is all-wise and all-knowing. It would be like going on a safari trip in in the jungle and refusing a a seasoned guide to, to stake it out on your own. It makes no sense. Why would we look within when we are finite and weak creatures Why would we not cast our our gaze upon the Lord and find our strength in Him who's infinite and all-powerful? We need to reflect on our nature and see ourselves as dependent creatures. And therefore, by the very nature, realize that we're dependent on someone else for our life. And so why would we rely on our inner strength? In this pilgrimage, when we can find our strength in the one who is independent because he's self-sufficient and self-existent. We need to remind ourselves that the fullest joy, the deepest satisfaction, and our truest purpose in life will never come from finding our strength within. The culture is going to tell you to follow your heart. It's not going to tell you that the heart is deceitful above all else and desperately sick. The culture is going to tell you, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. 
You know, whatever you set your mind to, you can achieve. And with sincerity of heart, the Lord will be pleased. We need to reject that kind of thinking and instead look outside of ourselves and anchor our strength in the Lord. The second weakness that I want us to focus on this evening is the danger of being sidetracked. There are so many pit stops along the way to our final destination. And as pilgrims, we run the risk of taking a pit stop and trying to make it our destination. We've got to guard against that. And the way we do that is by looking at what these pilgrims are doing. In verse 5, notice what it says about their heart. It says, in their hearts are the highways to Zion. Some of the men uh, and myself were looking at Keeping Heart by John Flavel uh, in January's DTS. That's what's happening here. The men, the pilgrims, they're keeping heart. They know that from the hearts, everything else springs forth, even their, their direction in life. And so what do they have in their hearts? None other than Zion. These are destination-focused people. They're those who have their, the heart's desire after God's dwelling place. They're those who, in their heart, are the paths that lead towards God. There are people who are destination-focused. Can the same be said about your heart this evening? That your heart is set on New Jerusalem, on dwelling in the presence of your triune God. I love what Matthew Henry has to say about this. He says that those who have New Jerusalem in their eyes must have the ways that lead to it in their heart. When I was uh, making my way to Vietnam, I shared with y'all uh, about this last time, I had an eight-hour layover in Amsterdam. And they have these uh, cubicles that you can rent that have beds in them so you can catch some sleep. And I wonder if, if you ha happened to be there and I was there and you saw me shelling out tons of my life savings to take that bed out and put a king-size Tempur-Pedic adjustable bed in there with a, a top-of-the-line refrigerator and a, a, a fireplace insert Likely one of you guys would confront me and say, have you lost your mind? What are you doing? You're only going to be here for a few hours and then you're off to your destination. But I wonder if we're making the same foolish mistake this evening, pouring tons of our time, effort, energy, and resources into a pit stop, not our final destination. We need to consider how we are going through this world and if we're treating the gifts and the seasons and the chapters that the Lord has blessed us with as the ultimate destination. Thomas Watson said, The world is but a great inn where we are to stay a night or two and then depart. There's some of us right now who are probably white-knuckling this particular chapter in our life or this season in our life. Maybe a home or a career and we're having a hard time hearing from God to move on from this pit stop and continue on in our pilgrimage because we are trying to make our pit stop our destination. So brothers and sisters, I encourage you to have in your heart the ways that lead to the Lord. Second, blessed is the man whose strength is found in the Lord because the pilgrimage this life takes us on is often quite painful. 
already made the case earlier that these pilgrims are having to, to deal with possible crime on this journey. They're having to deal with the Valley of Baca. It's reasonable to think that they could be dealing with severe illness or severe weather. This journey is a difficult one. And of course, all of life is difficult, isn't it? Whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, this life is difficult. It's the result of living in a fallen world. But what I hope you walk away from this evening when you study this text is a joy in seeing how God has designed for his pilgrims to transform their pain and their hardships into something beautiful. So if you will look at verse 6. We see that as they make their way, these pilgrims, through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The valley of Baca is this dry and arid, desolate, barren wasteland. And yet the pilgrims are making it a place of springs. What comes to your mind when you think of springs? Life, hope, refreshment. You see what God's pilgrims, what God's people, his church do when they're going through valleys of Baca? When the church is going through a desolate, barren wasteland, they make it a place of life, a place of refreshment, a place of hope. Is that the picture of Christ's covenant in the triad? As people in this community are dealing with broken marriages, as they're dealing with Hard, uh, hard difficulties in the, the workplace, difficulties in the family. Can they look within to the, the pilgrims here at Christ's covenant and see fellow people who are going through the same struggles and yet are transforming them into something beautiful, into something refreshing and life-giving? I don't know who wrote this quote, but it's absolutely amazing. It says, In the midst of death's shadows... In the echoes of emptiness, the church emerges as a sacred oasis, bringing life to desolate spaces. It is here that the divine touch resurrects hope, filling the void with the warmth of faith and the promise of renewal. Here we have God's people transforming the valley of Baca into a place of springs because their strength is in the Lord. And not only is God using his people as a means to redeem their pain and difficulties, but he himself is acting directly. Again, if you look at the end of verse 6, it says, The early rains cover it with pools. Here we see that God in his goodness, his graciousness, he's sending an abundance of rain on his people. He knows exactly what his people need. And so here they have so much rain on this dry and arid land that it becomes a place of pools with cool drinking water. It's almost as if they have a shepherd who's leading their sheep by still waters. I want you to think this evening, as we consider the difficulties and the hardships that take place in this life, The way the Lord wants to redeem those situations through his church and and through himself. I know without a doubt that some of you in this room this evening are going through your own valley of Baca. This has not been an easy pilgrimage for you at this point in time. 
For some of you, perhaps you're dealing with sickness. You've been dealing with pain, and pain for quite a while that many of us in this room can't imagine. You've been suffering in this pilgrimage, and yet you continue to move on. You're you're seeing medical bills that are mounting up. You've seen your life's plans and dreams put on pause. And what do you do during those times when your body has let you down? Do you look within to that broken body for strength? Brothers and sisters, we need to look outward upon our King, the one who is the great physician, who's already healed us of our greatest sickness in life. And remember that if He has shown us such great love and mercy by healing us of our greatest sickness, can we not also trust Him now in our current illness? There are many in this congregation who I think of when it comes to illnesses and redeeming the Valley of Baca and making it a place of springs. I think of Larry LaProd, Jessica Yelverton, Brian Lowry, and on and on. That those in the community who are going through illness and struggle right now can look to those brothers and sisters and see people who are going through the same pain as them, but yet are bringing redemption out of it. Others of you may be going through the valley of Baca as you deal with broken relationships. Could be within your own families. If you've read Pilgrim's Progress, you know that Christian, he heads out for the celestial city. And who does he leave behind? It's his family. An incredibly tough pilgrimage to make. And I know some of you have shared with me your fear of possible or potential broken relationships in your family as you contemplate not attending family weddings that are celebrating things that dishonor the Lord. And you're worried about what that fallout will look like. That's a painful, difficult place to be on your pilgrimage. Others of you, perhaps, are are going through this life side by side with your fellow pilgrims. And the pain and the hurt that you're experiencing seems to be coming from your pilgrims to the left and right. It's the very ones in the church that you feel hurt by. And if you try to find that strength within, what you're going to want to do is not seek reconciliation. You're going to want to retreat and isolate yourself. In those situations, what we have to do is not look within for strength, but look outward upon the Lord. And as we gaze upon the Lord and His nail-pierced hands and feet, we'll be reminded that His hands and feet were pierced for our rebellion against Him, for our betrayal, for our stabbing Him in the back. And when we remember that, and we reflect on the gospel... The Holy Spirit is busy and at work in our life, giving us strength. As He reminds us of all the mercy, of all the grace, and of all the forgiveness we have received, then we have the strength to begin to forgive our fellow brothers and sisters who have wronged us. We need to find, we need to find our strength upon the Lord. We need to be the kind of people that Derek Kidner describes as those who are busy digging blessings out of hardships. I love that picture. 
As you're going through the valley of Baca, are you busy digging blessings out of hardships? Are you like a Corey Ten Boom who's dealing with the horrific pain of the Holocaust and yet is praising God for the flea-infested quarters that she is sleeping in that she can't sleep well in because she's busy digging blessings out of hardships and she's praising God that those fleas are keeping the guards out from their sleeping quarters at night? Is that the kind of Christian that you and I are, that where we're busy digging blessings out of our hardships? Are we the kind of people who, as we go through the Valley of Baca, we're looking for our church to come alongside of us and to turn that Valley of Baca into a place of springs? Do we have eyes that are looking for how God is redeeming the pain and the difficulty in this particular season of life? And I need to move on because of time, but one other warning I want to share with you is There is a temptation, I said earlier, to take our pit stops in life and to make them our destination. And typically we think that that's happening because these pit stops are so great. But sometimes it's actually because those pit stops are so awful that we begin to be tempted to make that pit stop our our destination. I know some brothers and sisters, some dear friends of mine who are struggling And there's this seed of bitterness that is taking root. And it's causing them to not want to extend forgiveness, to not want to seek reconciliation. They're wanting to stay mad because they feel like they have every right to to be mad. And they aren't seeing the Valley of Baca as something they're supposed to be passing through on their way to Jerusalem. They're actually camping out in the Valley of Baca. Brothers and sisters, be on guard uh, against that by keeping New Jerusalem in your hearts. We are not called to live our best life now in a material, earthly sense. That's not what we've been called to. We have been called to die to self and to live to Christ. And that's oftentimes a painful calling. But when we're in those painful and difficult times, what we are supposed to do is reach through those those points of suffering and grab hold of what is permanent. We see this in the life of Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 17. He says this, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction, which, by the way, for Paul, was being shipwrecked, beaten, stoned, run out of town, being bitten by poisonous snakes, these present uh, light and momentary afflictions is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory that's beyond all comparison. Paul can endure all the hardships he faces as a pilgrim because of the glory that awaits him. He's reaching through those sufferings and laying a hold of that glory that's beyond all comparison. And that's the reason why even though he's outwardly, physically wasting away, inwardly he's being renewed day by day. And this leads us to our third and final point. Blessed are those whose strength is found in the Lord. Because it's only in his strength that we will persevere 
and make it home. Paul does not lose heart because he sees his present troubles and his pilgrimage as something that's temporary. The Spirit of God is renewing him as he focuses on the glory that awaits him. And so too it is with our saints in this passage. If you look at verse 7 with me, you'll, you'll see what I mean. It says in verse 7, they go from strength to strength. Isn't that a beautiful picture? They, they've made it through possible places of ambush. They've made it through the, the Valley of Baca. Maybe some severe weather, some illness. And as they keep making their way through, as they get closer and closer to Zion's gates, they move from strength to strength. It's like with each step they take, their joy is increasing. For some of our more senior members in this congregation, are you finishing the, the race that the Lord has set before you in a strong manner? As you start to sense that your pilgrimage is starting to wrap up, that you're getting closer and closer to that point when you receive the warm embrace of the Father, are you moving through this course of life, this last leg of the pilgrimage, from strength to strength, with your joy increasing each and every step you take? Even if outwardly, physically, you're wasting away, inwardly are you being renewed? This work that we're talking about, this work of renewal, this is done by the Holy Spirit. God was strengthening his pilgrims. My help comes from the Lord. He's strengthening Paul. And the Holy Spirit will strengthen you as well as you go through this journey. Look at the text again. It says, it shows us that none are too exhausted to reach Zion's gates. Look at what verse 7 does not say. It doesn't say that they go from strength to strength and some reach, reach you know, Zion's gates. No, it says each one appears before God. Each one. No one's left behind. No one's lost. Every single person makes it home. And I think that's what we're supposed to think of as we hear Jesus' words in John chapter 10, verses 28 through 29. He says, I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. You see, it's the Holy Spirit that empowers you to finish the race. He who began a good work in you will bring about its completion. That's why we see in Ephesians chapter 1, Verses 13 through 14, it says, In him, which is union with Christ language, in him you also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Just like a king who takes a signet ring and impresses it upon the, the hot wax. So that that letter has his seal and it shows that it belongs to the king. So you, with your union in Christ, have been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You have been marked as belonging to him. And no one can snatch you out of the Father's hands. 
You've been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. Not if we acquire possession of it, but until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. And so, as we think back and we think on Elizabeth Sullivan and her three Dr. Peppers a day, we see that she did live a a quite remarkable life. Uh, She was able to live to 106 years old. But just like everyone else, physically her body eventually would let her down. And when it comes to our spiritual lives, nothing outside of the strength of God will do. We're powerless to save ourselves. Scripture is abundantly clear. There's no hope for salvation in ourselves. Salvation alone belongs to the Lord. Our strength has to come from the one who defeated the grave. His victory becomes our victory with union in Christ. We are powerless to save, but he is mighty to save. We're too weak to remain in Christ under our own power. But God not only saves us by his mighty hand, he also sustains us and keeps us kept until we all arrive safely at home. And so this evening, I'd like to interpret a a beatitude in the New Testament, James chapter 1, verse 12, with the, the beatitude we've been looking at this evening from Psalm 84, verse 5. James chapter 1, verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Brothers and sisters, remember that we remain steadfast in our pilgrimage through the strength of the Lord and not our own. And we can withstand the painful test and trials that we face in this pilgrimage, not by our own strength, but in His. And it's in His strength that we will persevere and receive the crown of life which He has promised to His pilgrim people. Blessed indeed is the man or woman who finds their strength in the Lord. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Please bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we can't come before you with anything other than grateful hearts. There are not enough words in the English language to put adequately our praise to you. There's not enough time in our lives this side of glory to praise you for all that you have done for us. And so, Lord, we ask that you would accept our lives as we lay them down as living sacrifices to you. Father, that you would use us, your church, as we go through this pilgrimage in life and as we encounter the difficulties and and painful hardships, Father, that you would use us and your church by our strength being anchored in you to redeem those broken situations. Lord, that we might be about the business of seeking after you all the days of our lives until you call us home. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.